0: My next guest, Rebecca White, is an artist, musician, and entrepreneur based in Miami, Florida. And for her, as it often is, the thread of her artistry traces back to childhood. Music has been a part of Rebecca's life since she was just seven years old. And when she was in her teens, she attended a piano concert that gave her the clarity that she wanted to pursue music as a career. And so that she did. Rebecca attended university working on her degree in piano performance when the unthinkable happened. Her body had other plans, and when she was nearing the end of her degree, she had to withdraw due to chronic pain. She walked away from music altogether. Rebecca then shifted her focus and began working in the design industry, eventually opening her own studio. But she kept feeling like something was missing. She came to realize that she had some deep creative blocks and that some healing would be needed. Years into her healing journey in December of 2020, Rebecca got COVID and the effects lasted a long time. For the next six months, her whole life shut down and she would be forced to reevaluate everything. So I can't wait to dive in with her and get to hear all of the details of this journey and to hear all about what she discovered and where she is now. Rebecca, I'm so happy to be sitting across from you today. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you. It's a pleasure. Okay, so I want to start, let's go right back to the beginning. Take us back to the time when you were just seven years old and how music became a part of your
1: life. Well, someone, I think it was my grandparents, gave me one of those little tiny keyboards, you know, a little electric keyboard that was about this big, Um, (laughs) little mini keys um, as a Christmas present. And, uh, I just started playing music on it and, you know, tunes that I could recognize was like, oh, this is how you do this. And I started playing and I thought that was the most normal thing in the world. Didn't mean anything to me. And, um, my parents said, I, maybe we need to, would you like to try some music lessons? Uh, and I was like, oh, Okay. Um, and so, so it was like I was seven when I started studying and I studied, you know, through childhood, doing all the recitals and lessons every week and practice every day. And for a long time, it was just something that I did. I didn't really think a whole lot of it. Um, I did play in public a lot for church and things like that. Um, and recitals like I mentioned but it it didn't really occur to me as um, something to do with one's life until a little bit later
0: Mm, okay I want to ask just because I put my son in piano he's eight just recently Mm -hmm. and I music ever since he's been just little he just has something musical about him a song will come on a commercial will come on he'll stop everything he's doing and you can feel the music go through him and he'll kind of rock out to the music so so cool when you were in piano were you like grudging like to practice was it like a chore at any time or was just just like part of who you are and what you did was was there any resistance to it or any like grumbling about it along the way
1: Some of both, honestly. I mean, there were times where I was excited about it and there were times where I was, you know, I had a bad attitude about it. I was a kid. Um, I think the biggest thing that I would say, if you're, if you're, if you've got your son in lessons, um, would be to make sure that whoever his teacher is really inspires him. Because if every week you're going somewhere and that person is getting you fired up about it and passionate and like tuning, whatever the the lesson and the practice is about to the needs of your child, the curiosity of your child, your kid is much more likely to stay in it and be motivated versus if you're going to a lesson where the teacher is like, (laughs) I was like, did you do your chores this week? Did you practice the exact amount of time every single day I told you to you know, how perfect are you, you know? So it, I think a lot of it has to do with who that that musical teacher is and how they um, inspire their student and not being afraid to like move on if that's not happening in the class.
0: Mm, such good advice. Okay, yeah, I am a teacher also. So I really looked into, before I put them in, I'm like, who is someone who is just like, will be super fun and playful about it. And you can learn at the same time. So it'll be a good experience. And just seeing him and his teacher every week, it just is like what you described. He's so excited. He's so inspired. It's so, um, so sweet, so fun. So, okay, good. I I just wanted to check in there because I think it was last night or the night before he laid upside down on a seat and he was playing with his feet because he was so annoyed at me that I'm like, okay, go go, go practice a song or play something or whatever. So, okay. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. We're on the right spot. Okay. Back to you. So you, this is just something you did. It was kind of like a part of you, but you didn't really realize that it could be taken anywhere else. So when you were just in your teens, 16, you were at this piano performance and that's when you decided like okay this is what I want to do as a career what did that all sort of look like
1: well um I was yeah I was 16 and my teacher I had just gone to a new teacher I had gone to a uh a summer camp where I met all these other musically gifted young people who were passionate who were pursuing it and it was like oh wow, this is, this is interesting. I'm going to see what it feels like to to consider this a little more. Um, So when I came home, we changed teachers, found somebody that could address what I needed, you know, and match me and my passion and how I wanted to move forward. Um, And she took a group of us to a concert, um, and I remember it was a rehearsal, actually, the the symphony orchestra in the city that I lived in, they were holding a rehearsal with this, you know, sort of world famous star pianist that was coming in to do a concert that weekend. And so it was it was a little bit of a, like a behind the scenes type of thing. But even so, um, the way that that man, I'll never forget, you know, the way that he embodied music. Um, the way that he allowed um, communications to pass through him and the music that he was creating it um, it just lit my soul up Um, I was weeping instantly I cried the whole concert Um, I didn't know what was happening it was like what is this I've never experienced anything like this but um, this is what I want to be able to do for people is to open up this type of experience so that People feel themselves alive in this way and feel um, that sense of something higher um, and something transcendent. And so from then on, it was like, (laughs) here we are. This is what I'm going to do. This is my vision for myself and like my calling, right?
0: (laughs) Wow. I know it. sometimes it just takes one moment. There's these moments in our lives that completely change the trajectory or kind of lead us on a path a certain way. So seeing this performance and having it just affect you, as you were talking, it was like my whole body was in mm-hmm. goosebumps because I have experienced like with music, live music, the way, the, the energy, whatever, like you said, is kind of, he's embodying this feeling, this message, this experience, and it just resonates so deeply. So you wanted to create that for other people. So you, when you got out of um, high school, how soon did you then attend university to pursue this as a career?
1: Um, right away. I mean, I went from from high school and giving a senior recital in high school to um, summer, and then straight into university to study piano and um, and music. And it was it was so exciting for me uh, for that to be like my full focus. And I was performing in school right away, and seeing um, that same kind of like resonance, people responding, um, people feeling the impact of what I was, what I was channeling through. Um, that said, I was also dealing with, um, you know, a pretty serious, like, um, Achilles heel I guess so I was in I was preparing for that high school senior year recital concert and I woke up one morning with this pain in the right side of my neck and shoulder and it was really intense and I couldn't I couldn't really function Um, I was in bed for a few days and I uh, went to doctors, you know, and there was no, like, physically apparent reason for this to be happening to me. So there was physical therapy and things like that that happened, and it was able to kind of moderate and be something that I could deal with and keep working, And um, <clears throat> but it really hampered my playing ability, you know. Um, I was, it was always like this dance between how far can I push myself to grow in the music and grow in the repertoire, and um, you know, continue learning, but also not pushing myself so far that this pain becomes too much. Um, and so I, you know, I that all started in high school, and you know, so I went into school doing that dance that you know between what will my body allow me to do. Um, and where are my limitations?
0: Okay. So did you ever now looking back, did you ever uncover what this pain was? Where did it come from? What was it about? Was it related to some of these blocks that you, um, that come up later? Like what came about with that pain?
1: Yeah, absolutely. You're spot on with that. It was, um, it is, (laughs) Can't speak of it in the past tense. Um, it is something that's intrinsically connected with um, emotional blockages and um, emotional disturbances and difficulties. Um, in so many ways, my body kind of acts as a weather vane for my spirit. Um, when when things are happening in the body and the body doesn't feel good, it often is an indication to me that something's going on that I'm not paying attention to, um, that I need to tend to and sit with. And, but none, none of that was apparent to me at the time. And I did not have any sort of um, resources to help me uncover that until much later.
0: Okay. So you are dealing with this kind of balancing this pain and pushing yourself forward, but you are still like, trudging forward. You're still on the path. You're still, this is something that you're going to do as a career. So you were into your university three quarters of the way through when finally you decided to walk away. So what was that like? What was the final kind of straw in deciding (laughs) like this is in you, you were seven years old. You were so inspired. You were so moved. You had this vision and the spark inside of you lit. So how did you come to terms with that? And how did you make that decision?
1: Yeah. So I had just finished, um, you know, sort of an incredible performance that I gave, uh, my junior, my junior recital. And it was a huge, I mean, a huge success for me. Um, I remember my teacher who was the department chair being just like overjoyed so proud um it was like a mountaintop experience and um then coming out of that it was time to start preparing for the senior recital right um and we picked new music and i was starting to get into it and as you know the weeks the first weeks into that work it was like the pain that had been there that I'd been dealing with, it just went atomic, you know, it just, it went, um, out of control, unbearable. Um, and I just remember sitting in the practice room and being like, I I can't do this anymore. I can't live like this. This is, I'm done, you know? Um, and I, you know, I I don't know what the real catalyst was other than the body being like, we're done here. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was it was also um such a moment because when I decided when I when it came to me and I decided it happened immediately. Like there was no thinking about it or debating it or anything. It was just like boom. Um, my parents were really supportive because they knew how long I had tried and how much pain I had been living with and how many doctors and therapists and all this stuff, you know, and there was no help, um, no solving it. And so my parents, you know, they, they saw me and they said, like, I think you're doing the right thing um or we support you in this you know um my professors in school supported me in that they um helped me f- frame a new degree so that I could still finish on time but they were bewildered they couldn't understand cuz they had seen me as like this girl on fire <laughs> and then all of a sudden i just pulled the plug on everything and walked away and they were they were Kind of flabbergasted at what what I had done. Um, so I remember that time being. I just wanted to get through and get out, and then and that was it. I didn't have any real like thought about what was next.
0: Mm, and how did you feel like emotionally and spiritually in that time, making that like clear cut decision and moving forward? I was
1: numb. I was kind of frozen. I felt like nothing made any sense anymore. (laughs) You know, it was, it was like life's greatest passion is gone. Um, but I didn't feel like there was any other choice. And so it felt like just being, being lost, you know? Um, and not a whole lot of, not a whole lot of emotion around it either it was just it was just like over um which clearly in the way that i understand things now was like it was an emotion too great to process or acknowledge and so it was it was just like a total shutdown
0: mm-hmm. i can absolutely relate to that in mm. some things that i went through that i just thought i was like so i don't even know if it was stoic or strong that i just went on autopilot and i numb things out and move forward. And it wasn't until I was kind of out of the woodworks of all of the the things that I could go back and then process and deal and heal with everything. So, yeah, that that's definitely a, a turn in your your path that you weren't, you know, inviting in or going in um into happily, you know, walking down this other path. So, once you made that decision and decided okay this is it this pain is too unbearable I can't go forward then when was it that you kind of maneuvered to design or did you do anything else kind of in between
1: um yeah i was like i said my goal was finishing university and getting out of there and doing some like something real life, something I wasn't interested in staying longer at university. And so my professors allowed me to kind of form a hybrid major. Uh, so I had classes, I took a bunch of like, um, advanced English classes and research classes, um, theater, dance, a couple of drawing classes, you know, I just went into kind of the humanities and pulled a bunch of different things from different disciplines. And that was how I finished out my senior year was kind of dabbling in a bunch of different stuff. Um, So I'm very grateful that I was able to do that. Um, And I was, you know, since childhood also had always had this kind of side interest in art and do a lot of doodles and drawings and stuff. But I never, because I was so focused on music, I never considered it anything to be developed or really taken seriously. Um, so right after school, and I had taken like the drawing class in my senior year or whatever, um, I decided maybe I'm gonna give this a go a little bit. I got a job at a frame shop, learning how to frame fine art. And then I was doing a little drawing stuff on the side but I, I wasn't feeling it. It wasn't, you know, and a friend introduced me to a woman who ran an advertising agency in town and I got a job there as like a gopher, you know, I was getting coffee, organizing files, um, doing, doing little tasks around the studio. And then before long, it was like, well, um, let's, you, you should learn some like basic design stuff so you can take care of a few things. And so then I started picking that up. And then I started going to client meetings and working on pitches. And pretty soon I was, you know, really doing all the work of running a shop. And so after a few years, I decided, I think I'm just going to go out on my own. Um, So it was very gradual, very gradual and definitely not something that was like, Oh, I'm going to go do this. It was something that just happened.
0: So tell us about what was some of the design work or projects like while you were at this studio working, what did you get into?
1: Um, the, the agency did, they had like real estate clients, they had plastic surgery clients, they had, um, oh man, it's been ages. It was just kind of like a random smattering of, of local, some tourism stuff, local industry, you know? Um, and so I was really just learning the basics, you know, in the context of whatever projects were going on in the studio at the time.
0: Okay. And then after a few years of kind of, picking up these little skills along the way, getting the foundation, you decided that you were going to open your own studio. So what was um, your focus when you were opening up? Was there like a specific clientele that you were hoping to draw in that you worked? I don't know that lit things up for you.
1: Yeah. I was really interested in working with nonprofits and, um, And, you know, companies or organizations that were beyond just doing business to make money, but, you know, um, had some kind of purpose or um, sort of social good that they were working towards. And so right away, a a lot of things like that started cropping up and, and becoming part of my client base and that you know, I've, I've done a lot of different kinds of work. I've worked with a lot of, in a lot of different industries, but the work I'm proudest of over the 12 years now that I've had the studio has been, you know, the work that is, is really committed to creating some kind of impact in society.
0: Mm, yeah, that definitely, I could see how that would be the ones that feel, feel so good knowing that you've had a hand in creating yeah. change or having yeah. This impact. So you said 12 years Yep, that mm-hmm. is a long time. So <laughs> tell us about this ride of um, this studio. What is that like for you? Are you in there solo? Do you have a variety of people working for you? Do you have freelancing? What does that look like in this studio for you?
1: Yeah. So I am the principal on everything. I hire people to work with me to either, you know, fill skill sets that I don't have, or when I have, you know, too many things going on um, to handle it myself, I'll bring in other designers. Um, So I like, I like working with other people when possible. One of the things that I have done throughout this time is to make sure that I'm getting, um, you know, time with peers and other inspiring designers by traveling to conferences, getting involved in professional organizations, things like that. Because when you work mostly solo, um, or or it, you know, it doesn't have to be solo. If you're leading an organization, you have to make sure that your cup is full, um, so that you stay inspired and stay on top of your craft and things that are happening. So attending conferences is something that I've done throughout you know and it it is so meaningful building relationships with people and hearing those stories and uh learning it's been instrumental for my growth as a professional for sure
0: mhm i think collaboration is so key i just think of like all of these ideas that i have and then i get in a room and talk with these other people. And then it's like, the idea starts as this little teeny tiny thing. And then by the end of the conversation, it's like, Oh my God, like so much more um, that can be added that inspiration and the energy that a group of people kind of in the same industry and can come together and just share their diverse range of thoughts and skills to just really elevate things. So I love that you dive into that because I think being leading, being a leader can be, or I've heard, I don't know, I haven't been in this position, but it can be a little bit lonely if you're the one leading and the dynamics between, you know, I don't know. I just have seen it, I guess, in my own workplace that the people working for the leaders are really connected. And then sometimes the leaders, just because of the position that they're in, or the way that they're leading maybe aren't, are left out a bit. So Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. how do you, what is kind of like your leadership style or how do you lead in a way where you can still have those, form those relationships and have those connections with the people that you work with?
1: Yeah, I think um, when I've been in leadership roles, um, there was an organization that I was involved with for several years um, called AIGA. It's the Professional Association for Design. Um, they have chapters all over the United States. And I led the Miami chapter uh, for a few years. One of the things that was really important to me as a leader in that time was making sure that the things that we were trying to create as a board um, were things that like the community supported, the community uh, needed and the community could get behind. And so a lot of it was about, um, you know, reaching out to other people in positions of leadership here and understanding what their challenges were as studio leads or creative directors and how the organization could fill their needs. Um, And in doing so, like forming relationships with those people. So, um, and then, you know, within our own board and our own working group, it was about making sure that we were all in agreement and in alignment with the things that we were trying to create. So it wasn't like, you know, the president decides what's happening. It was like, here are the things we could, you know, it was an open conversation and developing agreement around what we wanted collectively to create.
0: Okay. So you've been in this space for many years. And like I said, in the intro, there, there's something still kind of missing that you're thinking, you know, enjoying designing. And I talked to you previously before this, this call where you talked about meeting the needs of your clients. So can you tell us a little bit about that? I thought that was so interesting.
1: Yeah. Like the feeling of something missing, feeling like, um, like there's, there's got to be more. (laughs) I, I felt like I was, you know, doing the things that are needed for my clients, kind of following the patterns of what it is to run a business and getting new clients and getting bigger projects and hiring more people and all these things. But at the end of the day, not feeling um, very satisfied creatively, not feeling very fulfilled, feeling like there's so much more to me that's not getting it's due you know like I'm holding back somehow or I'm blocked somehow we talked about how at least my approach to to design work graphic design work web design work is it's not about personal creativity really it's not about me expressing myself or um, being artistic or any of those things it's about um, you know I, I have this pretty finely developed process where when I'm working with a new client or on a new project, we go through a a careful discovery and intake process where I really understand their business. I really understand their challenges. I really understand their their goals, how they want to grow, what it is they're trying to create out there in the world, what is the impact that they desire. And then there's, you know, kind of a crafting of a solution like here's how design here's a vehicle of how design can help you get to where you're going, so it's about creating some kind of solution through design that empowers them to make their impact, um, and it's it's really about looking at the market and looking at their customer base and you know. There's a lot of of comparison and study and and all this that goes on to make sure that you're creating something that serves their business needs and helps them meet their goals, which a lot of times are financial or um, data, right? Data-based. So the personal, yes, there's there's like a sense of how to apply the design process to that, what works and what doesn't. you know, just visually speaking, what's compelling or, you know, maybe what needs to be refined, whatever, but it's much more objective. And it's not about me. Like my touch is not there really. Uh, and and from my perspective, it doesn't need to be there because it's not about me. I'm not selling me. I'm selling the client. (laughs) Um, and so that has been the way that I have approached all of that work. Um, which I think makes a lot of sense for the people that I've worked with, but it has left me. Um, it left me like knowing that I was not really living up to what I was capable of as a creative person. Mm,
0: Okay. And you had some creative blocks. So you started on this healing journey in 2017 and then, So take us through what did that look like? How did you come to realize, okay, I've got some blocks going on. There's some healing that needs to happen. And then right into COVID when you literally like had to stop everything for an extended period of time and reevaluate to, to move forward. So tell us about that journey.
1: Yeah, I think, um, I was in like some business mastermind type of group, and I was trying to figure out. I was, you know, trying to figure out if maybe I could create something around music um, for my community that would give me a sense of satisfaction um, and reconnect to something that I really cared about. And I, was struggling. You know, there's a lot of emotions that were coming up as I was trying to explore these possibilities. And, um, I was feeling very frustrated and the, the woman, the coach that was running that program said, I think maybe you need to work with somebody else a little bit and explore some different types of, um, Healing, Like, I think this goes deeper than a business mastermind. I think you need to explore that and here's somebody you should talk to. Um, and so I went and had an appointment with this woman and she right away, like the first thing that happened was we went to music and um, all that stuff that like, I had no, there was no connection for me between the pain in my body and all of that stuff and where i was then you know feeling creatively blocked like and she said you know rebecca do you realize you do realize don't you (laughs) that all of this stuff that's going on in your body is repressed emotion right And i was like what (laughs) what okay Um, And so I started on a journey with her um, working through a lot of different modalities, including hypnosis and breath work, um, some cathartic processes, a lot of writing and journaling and meditation and coaching. And there was a lot over several years, but slowly beginning to kind of crack open that complex and go to, to the root of some of those things and and heal from them move through them um and yeah i think things were things were feeling better things were feeling a little more open um i was like exploring the the visual art stuff that had been with me since childhood but never really paid it any serious attention to was kind of percolating as a means of expression quietly. I wasn't showing it to anyone. It was just something I was doing. Um, And, you know, feeling, feeling a little better about it, which was also a measure of this personal healing work that I'd been doing, because prior to that, it was like, this doesn't matter. It's not good. I don't care about it. I was starting to see it with a little more respect. Um, and starting to make, make some things. Uh, and yeah, then the pandemic happened and we had a whole lot more time at home and quiet, you know, and, um, then I, like you mentioned, I, I got COVID in December, 2020 and I got very sick and I was very sick for about six months. Um, and I was forced because of that to put basically all of my design clients on hold because I was so weak that, um, I, I couldn't, I literally couldn't work. I was really debilitated. My daily activities were like lying on the couch, that was about it. Um, and so I, I was forced to sort of shut everything down and focus on healing my body from this illness, tending to my emotions and my spirit as I was doing this because for somebody that's an, a doer and a, and a creator and an overachiever, Um, being still and being quiet and doing almost nothing is excruciating. (laughs) Uh, Causes all kinds of fear and doubt and feelings of inadequacy and um, questions about self-worth and, you know, all, all the things, all the things came up during that time. And so um, that period was like, kind of rewriting how I do life. Like what matters to me? What are my priorities? What do, what does, what is the structure of my day? You know, I had to, I had to reconfigure everything because of that experience. And interestingly enough, a lot of those reconfigurations have stayed with me. Um, A lot of the practices that I developed for taking care of myself when I was physically so fragile have remained as part of my system for taking care of myself in general.
0: Okay. Can you dive in there? Like, what did you uncover? What did, what were some of these moments of in that stillness of like you say, holy cow, six months, that's half of year, half of a year actually being still and being in that muck. What did you uncover? And then, like you said, what did you, bring with you forward what did you like rebirth from yourself
1: one of the biggest things that came through was um like I had felt like I was giving my all to my clients all the time I was prioritizing their needs above pretty much all else I was so passionate about the things that they were doing in the world and I saw myself as like integral part of that work. And, um, you know, like that was where I was deriving any sense of purpose. Right. And the thing, the curious thing that happened when I got sick and I had to tell everybody, you know, I can't, I can't do anything was that some people didn't even respond (laughs) (laughs) um it was so shocking to me because I I felt like um they were such a big part of my life and my work and then I saw that the relationship was a lot more transactional than I had ever known um and so that was a gut punch for me you know kind of like okay let's get real I'm a vendor Um, and I, you know, and I don't say that like to be critical of those people. It's just like the nature of the thing is like, I'm performing a service. There are other people that can also perform this service, right? It's business. Um, so it it revealed to me kind of the difference between how I had been looking at things and how things actually were. And so it was like, I'm giving the very best of my creativity and my time and all of my life force energy to things that can be, can just disappear, you know, overnight without a trace. (laughs) For what, for what, what am I doing here? So that was a huge, that was a huge revelation Um, for which I, you know, for which I'm profoundly grateful,
0: right? Wow. I just, that is just it there. That's like the showstopper. Anybody listening in can really reflect and consider, is this how you are leading your life? Are you giving everything that you are and pouring into something else and not pouring that into yourself and wow what what a profound realization to have so once you realized that how did you start taking care of yourself or pouring that into you and what mattered to you
1: So I had, I developed this little regimen that I called my, I think I called it like my energy hospital. Um, so I had this set of things that I was required to do every day. And it was like um, everyday meditation. Uh, and at points, you know, I was so weak that it was like I was lying down you know, cause I couldn't sit up for 20 minutes or whatever it was. It was like lying down meditation. Um, and you know, that was a practice that was a requirement. Um, writing, I learned like journaling as a means of just kind of the the garbage can of the mind. It doesn't matter what you're writing. It doesn't matter if you're using correct punctuation or spelling or what none of that matters. What matters is that you're just kind of like getting, getting stuff out. Um, So there was like a practice of, I must write every single day. Um, And there was uh, yoga, you know, movement practice. Sometimes it was like the most yin yoga you've ever seen (laughs) because I had no strength, but it was like, move the body a little bit in ways that are supportive, you know. Um and then um there was the the creativity part of it as I began to feel physically a little stronger, like some kind of personal creative expression. And if and only if I was physically well enough to move through all of those things, was I allowed to touch work. (laughs) So I rewrote what was priority in the past. Work came first. I would do all the work stuff. And then if I had time, if I had the energy, I would maybe do some of this other stuff. And I, I was, I was finding that that approach was wrecking me day in and day out when I was so sick. And so it was like, okay, we got to flip the script here. We have to change. Um, the way we're doing this and the the things that support my health and healing have to come first. And, um, because I was so weak at that time, they took up most of the day, um, because I had to do a lot of rest in between and it was very slow and all of that. But, um, what was clear to me as I got stronger and had, you know, I was getting over the illness was like, I can still take this approach. It's not going to take up all of my day because I can do these things more in a more like linear fashion because I'm not sick. Um, But that practice of the the meditation, the journaling, the the movement and personal creativity, those things as priority, those things coming first before anything for anybody else happens in the day. That's something that I've Um, committed to keeping as part of my life and it's been hugely supportive
0: that is like absolutely beautiful like do we all need to flip the script and I mean we are living this life and sometimes we forget that it's our life and giving to everybody else first so Wow. And I love how you're making them like non-negotiables. It's like brushing your teeth. It's like, okay, mm-hmm. it just, you wouldn't leave the house without brushing your teeth, mm-hmm. getting dressed, you get dressed, you, whatever the things that have become automatic and that you just do, it's like, okay, meditation. That's automatic. That's just part of my day. What I do moving my body, body, journaling, having this time for movement. Um, yeah. Don't we all need to take care of ourselves because if we aren't then our body and you know something is going to happen to actually make us stop in our stop. tracks
1: yeah whether it's the body or or life circumstances you know um cuz the other thing about it is i've been speaking about this just in terms of myself and my personal creativity and my journey but it's also you know, the people in our lives around us when we're not our best selves, they also feel that effect. Um, and so whether it's your partner or your family members or your friends, um, taking care of yourself so that you can show up in the best way possible for them and in relationship with them is also, it's, it's, it's very profound
0: hmm Like your energy is just a completely different vibration when you, even like you said, as you take care of yourself and do these things for you, and then if you have time to do the work, then it's like, you're going to show up in that work and that energy will be felt through the work. People will feel it and connect to it and be drawn to it. You can tell, like just looking at a project, like a, a painting, you can feel the vibration. So I just feel like sometimes if we take the time to actually recalibrate and just drop in and, and just do the things that we need to do for ourselves, then it will be felt. And the little traces of like the little pixie dust will be left wherever we go in the rooms and in the interactions in the creative projects in our work and in all different ways. So I love that you are practicing all of these things each day because the resonance that you're going to leave is going to be felt like just to the soul so much deeper. So I want to go to like, I don't know, behind you is (laughs) are these like most beautiful artistry that you have created. So tell us about this next thing that you dove into this next medium where you are putting yourself into this beautiful i don't know are they canvases paper like these beautiful pieces of art and what that's doing for you now
1: so most of the things that are on the wall um or the drawing board behind me are works on on paper some of them are drawings, some of them are painting some of them are hybrids um, drawing and painting hybrids or mixed media pieces. And uh, what I found as I was emerging from that long period of illness and recovering was that um, this personal creativity, artistic expression that had been there in kind of an embryonic form was growing and it was becoming part of how I processed. Um, Emotion, you know, like kind of an extension of the journaling or um, an extension of other sort of cathartic, therapeutic processes. It was like I can actually also move through life, move through experiences in the world using the artwork as a, as a means of like getting some of this out of my system, getting it out of my body, out of my mind, and getting it out there on the canvas. So that became another practice that was really meaningful to me as I was recovering. And the interesting thing that that began to happen was like I just very tentatively began sharing it with people over email, sometimes on Instagram. And the responses that people had um, to the work and the stories that I would share around them Those responses were like echoes of the types of reactions that I was getting from people when I was playing music. People were kind of having a mo you know, having an an experience, having a moment with the work. And I hadn't I hadn't felt that way or experienced myself as a channel of something (laughs) since then. And so it was clear like there was something new happening here. It was it was feeding my soul and it was really meaningful to me. And then people resonated with it. People understood it, felt it to be relevant to the things that they were going through, or the things that they were thinking about. And so um, I really I really kind of put the work forward in the summer of 2021. I put a body of work forward on my website and on social media for the first time ever, um, which was like a huge step, but it felt amazing. Um, and I began having open studios and things like that to be able to share the work more broadly. And it's just, it's been a beautiful process for me of you know creating things sharing them, selling them, showing them, and feeling like so many of the skills that I've built over the last 15 or so years all fit together, right? Like there's a there are things that I learned over here that I didn't really know why they were useful or why I needed to know how to do that that All of a sudden, serve me in an amazing way as I'm, you know, doing this like public artist thing. So it's been beautiful to see the pieces fit together.
0: Mm, And how amazing I can't even imagine that feels to take all of this stuff, all these things that you've kind of accumulated over the years and how they just fit so perfectly together to allow you to use your creative expression to as an outlet for you. And then it also lands with so many people. So that's got to be like the best place to be right now.
1: It does feel amazing. It's like, I, I, I told somebody recently, it's like, I said, I suddenly make sense to myself. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like I've always been kind of confusing to myself and suddenly it's like, Oh, okay. I get it. (laughs)
0: all the pieces have come together and it all makes sense. I feel like we're all kind of on that journey of discovery and sometimes it hits sooner. Sometimes it hits later. I'm sure sometimes it comes up multiple times through our lifetime, but to be in this spot right now where you can take all of those pieces and just be in this place that brings you back to that time where you a Witnessed this performance and had that feeling within you. And then, where you got to the point where you had the performance yourself and got to see that response from other people, where you're getting that again, but in your way, where you've taken care of you and it starts there and then it just kind of pours out. So I just think it's all amazing. Is there anything else I'm missing? Is there any other question, any other thing that you're like, this is really top of mind. I want to share this, this wisdom or knowledge or this experience. Is there anything else right now that you're like, I just have to touch on this. (laughs)
1: Um, well, one of the things, so a lot of, a lot of the work that is here and the work that is on my website and social and whatever is all, um, you know like two dimensional or three dimensional visual artworks right but one of the things that i'm moving into and and kind of crafting is some more experiential work that has a participatory component where people when they come to look at it they get to do things with it and and so it's a more holistic experience and Um, a lot of it is going to be around these same types of themes of, um, you know, the creative spirit and resiliency and taking care of oneself and so on and so forth.
0: I love it. And when we do drop into our creativity, that's when the magic comes alive. I think so many of us through experience and, uh, different things, society, Have lost a lot of that artist within and kind of put it to the side for logic Mm -hmm. or whatever else. And when you can tap into your creativity, then there's so many different uncoverings that can happen and the magic that comes from it. I've seen it happen. So I love that you are creating that experience for other people to really drop in there too.
1: Yes. Yes. And it's, it's true that, you know, I, I feel, so we've been kind of socialized to believe that creativity is the domain of the artist and it doesn't pertain to other people. Like you need to be a professional or you need to be trained or you need, you know, um, but creativity is like the essence of being human. And so everyone has that gift, that spark. And it's just a matter of tapping into it and accessing it and making space for it. Um, And it's not about creating a product, right? But rather being in a process.
0: Mm, Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Your story is incredible. I'm so happy to be sitting with you here and just feeling this energy coming through You with this place that you're at, like you're. I just like, I'm so drawn to this one piece behind you. The movement in this, (laughs) which one, which one? Uh, the black one with the yeah, I'm like, that one, just the movement in it and Mm -hmm. the beautiful boldness, like it's all just so beautiful. So, Mm -hmm. I'm so happy that we get to share this time together. And I think there's so many, um, takeaways that the listener is going to be thinking about, reflecting upon to have an an impact in their lives in a subtle or profound way. So I feel like you are leading this curious trail for everyone listening in to kind of dive down and reflect upon. So lastly, where can everybody find you, follow you, check out your art, check out what you've got going on, connect with you.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I'm on Instagram, Rebecca K. White, and my website is RebeccaWhite.co. I also have a Substack um, newsletter. So that's Rebecca White, Substack slash Rebecca White. And those are the platforms where I let people know about upcoming shows and projects and, you know, just kind of my journey, all the things that go into this creative life.
0: Well, I love it all. Thank you for sharing your time with me and we'll definitely stay in touch. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining me on today's episode of All Things Relatable. If you know someone that would relate to this episode and get value from it, please pass it along. Also, if this episode resonated with you, I would love for you to rate, review, and subscribe.